0: two oh you can't clap <laughs> wait yeah i can <laughs> rachel's gotta put her mic down okay one two three and that's why people don't use handhelds for podcasting
1: yeah that's very true
0: <laughs> hello hello welcome to the show this is the po- po- mm. that was so smooth for a second there uh, this is the post production podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Rachel. And we are two AV technicians and we talk about our crazy experiences here on this podcast as well as dubiously critique popular works. Indeed. And this week I'm dubiously
1: critiquing my own podcasting setup. Oh, yes. How's because that? as Kiri can attest, I have officially switched to the most chaotic form of podcast audio. <laughs> which is that I'm currently using a handheld mic. Why, you ask? I just am this way.
0: Yeah, you you could get yourself like a little mic stand or something.
1: I have a mic stand. Like I have the appropriate sized mic stand. I have the correct mic clip and everything. I just am feeling a little silly and goofy today.
0: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, she, she's sitting on the floor too. Yeah. Just chilling my honestly my setup isn't perfect either cuz my previous microphone died so i'm just recording this on voice memos and i've got some uh sound cushioning in this corner here and that's it <laughs> so sometimes i can like hear my air conditioner running and when i listen back to these or just like cars driving by so this space isn't perfect either. Yeah, all the audio snobs are probably losing their crap. Oh yeah.
1: But see, I view this as proof of our point that like you don't you don't need tons of money to make cool stuff. You can just do it and make what you have work. Or in my place, start haunting Facebook marketplace.
0: But then there's the irony of like we call ourselves professionals and then we produce our podcasts like this.
1: Yeah, but I think there's a difference between, like, if we were professionally producing this podcast as, like, our full-time jobs, I would expect us to, like, invest in good studio setups and, like, try to make it as high fidelity as possible. But the reality is that this is just for fun, and it's our podcast, so we kind of get to do whatever we want.
0: Yeah, hey, speaking of microphone troubles, today... There was a, a meeting type thing and they had requested a handheld microphone. And I was like, all right, no big deal. And, you know, you always test the microphone before just passing it off. And um, there was no sound coming out of the speakers Ooh. at all, like in the room. It was a, it was like a conference room. So there, there were speakers in the ceiling. It was getting signal in all of the places. We have it connected to our uh, audio console in the auditorium. So we, I had to like run over there and <laughs> make sure everything was, you know, connected correctly. And turns out it was patched to the wrong mix rack socket. And then I also had to go down and physically repatch it Ooh. and then reroute it in the inputs and everything. It was it was a whole thing. But we got that microphone working. Heck yeah, you did. (laughs) And they used it. Wow. You know, just just another day at the office, really. Something doesn't work. You spend hours trying to fix it. You finally fix it, and then you—that's it. And then (laughs) you do it all again. (laughs) I was gonna say, I feel like something kind of interesting
1: about working events is like you get yourself like really amped up. You do all this bug testing, soundchecks, rehearsals, whatever. If a problem of any magnitude happens, the adrenaline of like trying to fix that problem with speed, efficiency, and professionalism is just so overwhelming that by the time you get to the actual event, it kind of feels anticlimactic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I don't feel adrenaline anymore when things don't work because it just happens all the time. So I'm just like, oh. Well. See, we'll get this figured out. (laughs) I thought
1: that I was that way because like, honestly, like if if you asked me to sit down on this podcast with my little handheld mic every week and tell you all of the problems I solved that week, like it it literally is 100% of my job. (laughs) It would be a really long podcast. It would be about 45 hours worth of a podcast, in fact, but then... Last week for a service, and and for those of you who like might be newer around here, I work in church technology full time. So a lot of my stories and anecdotes revolve around church events and church services because that's where I push buttons. and And last week I was tech directing at one of our bigger campuses on a Sunday. And we came in actually like extra early that day because we had to set up like risers and monitors and mics for a choir to come in that day, which is not a thing we do every week. It's kind of like a once a month kind of thing.
0: Once a month, that's actually a lot.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I just noticed a huge beetle. Oh. Ew. Is it inside or outside? It's dead luckily, but it's unfortunately inside. Wonder how it got in. Which means there could be more.
0: Might have crawled out of your ear or something.
1: Oh. (laughs) All right, podcast over. At least it's not a butterfly. True that, true that. Anyways, I came in early upon this day. I came in very early, in fact. And so I am in literally at the crack of dawn. My alarm had gone off at 3.55 a.m. Oh, my. That's I was pumped full of caffeine. That is definitely the crack. Yeah, and I was ready to go. And we set up everything. All of the new equipment worked seamlessly, which is very unusual. Like all of those choir mics rung out flawlessly. The monitors worked the first time. Like the risers were not missing parts. Like it all just like went in. And then we unmuted the one part of the system that never ever changes. And that is the wireless microphones. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that we realized something was horribly wrong. Because anytime anyone spoke into any of the mics that were routed to the house, this massive echo would happen.
0: That's exactly what I was picturing. They would say,
1: all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Like a bad (laughs) delay effect. Um, And so, of course, my first thought, and again, I'm not the front of house audio engineer in this situation. I'm the tech director. So I'm there to pull the different parts of the team together. I'm there to ensure the service runs smoothly and I'm there to solve problems.
0: Well, there's a problem.
1: Unfortunately, upon this day, my entire TD role was solving this problem. I I did literally everything I could think of. Like I muted all the effects and that didn't do it. And then I fully took the effects, sends and returns out of the show file and that didn't fix it which told me the issue was not the effects. But then I was like, where would a delay be coming from? Because the thing is too, I don't know how to explain to y'all without like playing you an example. And I was too stressed to record the issue, but like the issue really sounded like a bad effect return it sounded so artificial and weird that i was convinced that somewhere in the board there was an effect that was messing up yeah it like never crossed my mind that it could possibly be anything else and so we eventually like fully switched scenes cuz we were like maybe that will fix it and it seemed to fix it at first our first service Finally, like, went off. And, like, at this point, like, we started rehearsal super late because we couldn't fix the mics. And then, like, so they, like, rushed through rehearsal and our poor front of house technician had to fully rebuild his scene because when we switched scenes, the issue went away. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe that's it. Well, then in the middle of the second service, which is our biggest service at that campus, the echo came back. Of course it did. And not only did it come back on the wireless mics. These stories get predictable at some point, Yeah, you know? <laughs> No, well, and it came back on every channel. Oh, that's cool. Which was much scarier. So it was at this point where I began to question my calling as, <laughs> as a technician and button pusher. A come to Jesus moment, if you will. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's been a long time since I have felt stupid because of a tech problem. This one, this one, this one got me. This, this one got me. So eventually I'll like jump to the end of the story because this saga is five hours long. <sighs> like, so I could give you the play-by-play of what happened over the span of five hours, or I can jump to the part you're interested in, which was, what was the problem, Rachel? For those of you that are familiar, we have a deck link card as part of our system. And the decklink card in part feeds signal to our ProPresenter computer, oh. such as video, um, so that, like, the ProPresenter operator can see a, a preview feed of, like, what is happening on the live stream. The thing is, though, um, if you recalibrate a DeckLink card, you have to remind ProPresenter that the DeckLink card is there. You also have to tell ProPresenter how to handle the DeckLink card. And one of the things that you must always do if you value your job is you must tell ProPresenter to not take the audio from the DeckLink card because otherwise you just get live stream audio routed into your ProPresenter computer. And if the ProPresenter channel is unmuted on the main soundboard, you essentially have the live mix happening. And then you have the latent live stream mix also coming through the house.
0: That's good to know.
1: Yeah, (laughs) thus causing essentially an infinite loop that is very hard to diagnose if you don't know to look for it. Well, now you do. Because the other, like, the context here is like a lot of people could listen to that story and be like, oh, well, like, you and your whole crew were stupid. You should have obviously immediately checked that, blah, blah, blah. For context, like, we're managing 64 channels of live audio in this circumstance.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of room for something to go wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, any front of house engineer will tell you that, like, you must be very good at multitasking and paying attention to be a good audio engineer. But it also is very easy to lose things mm-hmm. in, in your layers and layers of faders. And again, too, like with specifically church tech, because if you're if you're a touring audio technician, it's usually like you either travel with your board and or your scene file. Um, and it's you every single time mixing and then if you're, like, a house audio technician at a venue somewhere, again, it's it's your system, it's your scene file, you know it, right? Well, in church tech, a lot of it is volunteer-led. So, like, I am a staff member, and I am there, and I'm usually filling some role. But largely, a lot of our roles have a different person in them every week. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, like, stuff like this can sometimes fall through the cracks, if not like managed closely, right?
0: Yeah, I am currently volunteering at, as a, a church tech person, and it's it's a very different world that I haven't touched in a long time. Mm-hmm. I did uh, lighting this last time around, and they use a Vista three. Oh, I I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> hot I'm take. Not a huge they're, fan. They're, Right off the bat. Yeah, their, their Rachel uh, loves it because he uh, apparently had used it before and like previous jobs. But I, I don't like it at all. The knobs are so touchy. It's The buttons are not labeled. You just gotta know that. Well, I only used it once. So I guess as I get more familiar with it, I will appreciate it more. But right now, I don't appreciate it. Also, you know what I realized? Graphics and lighting consoles are basically percussion instruments, you know? (laughs) Cause you gotta, it's all about the timing. Yeah, right. that's very true. You gotta hit the cue at just the right time, especially graphics. I did graphics before, it was a lot of fun.
1: Man, yeah, I had never thought about that until, and like I I say this with the most love (laughs) in my heart.
0: I'm ready to get roasted. But I had never
1: realized like how much innate rhythm it takes to like operate ProPresenter well until i saw someone operate it recently who did not have that innate rhythm <laughs> and this person struggled like to the point that i was cueing slide by slide when they should go and then i thought about it later and i was like man like i don't think we give graphics operators or media technicians or whatever you call it in your venue lighting we do designs. not give them enough credit For, like, the genuine talent it takes to fire graphics and video and keep a service flowing at, like, a natural and
0: non-distracting pace. Yeah, and I would be lying if I said I got it perfect every time. Like, there's always at least one little slip up or, like, one slide that's a little bit off or one or two in each service, but... It's a lot of fun though. It's like it's just a. It's it's definitely something that you got to kind of have the feel for. Like I remember, because I, I did graphics in college too. One of my supervisors was like training the graphics team and was like, "You just got to kind of feel it." Yeah, <laughs> which is such a, a musician thing to say. You just got to feel it, and you'll get it. But some people don't feel it. I was gonna say like it, it's one hundred percent true. But that doesn't make it less frustrating to people that are more black and white. yeah, the lighting setup I the this particular church they had they set up all of the queues and then the volunteers just walk in and push the buttons, which I am not used to at all. yeah, <laughs> I'm used to walking in setting everything up and then and then also operating during the actual thing and so i I am kind of glad like there was one lighting queue where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to adjust this one light just to see if I can. Like, I just kind of figured it out. And then I ended up, it, it, I don't like Vista 3. It likes, it kind of saves automatically almost. Um, well, you got to like Command S, but I, whatever you save, it saves through all of the queues. There's no, like on the ION, oh. there's update queue only so that it just saves the, like it, I was adjusting the position of a mover. It would save that position through the entire song, pretty much, all the cues for that song, which was a lot of fun having different lighting cues for for each song, like have multiple lighting cues for one song because that's, you know, cool. But, you know, it's church, so the, the changes were quite subtle. So on ION, if you make an adjustment to a light, you would hit update cue only so that it only makes that change in that queue, uh, if you just hit update enter, then there's potential that it will update that in all of the following queues that were copied from that queue, right? Mm -hmm. There was no specific button for not making that happen on the Vista 3 as there is on the ION. So it's just my yeah. my picky lighting brain, roasting Vista three.
1: Well, and also you walk in from a very different background than most church tech volunteers. I've noticed. Yeah, the- I do it similarly to that because I'm like I'm currently the primary LD for one of our campuses, which is hilarious because if you ask me. Out of the A V and L, <laughs> my my weakest discipline by a lot is lighting.
0: Um, but it's been kind of a fun challenge to like learn lighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been learning audio. Good uh, with this volunteer position. Yes, and I've, I've done it twice so far, and I actually really do kind of enjoy it. I, I like the mixing part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a little I, I'm a little too timid to do a full sound check at this point, but I, I need to you know do, do a service or two a few more times and then once I'm on my own then then I'll do that but
1: yeah yeah I'm just kind of getting used to it so we're both cross training yeah my church also does like kind of number one like we've we try very hard to do like shadowing kind of similarly to how you're learning like we mm-hmm. we put every new volunteer with either like a staff member or like an experienced key volunteer who like has been doing it for a while or feels very confident teaching or whatnot but yeah it's also interesting because we do also a lot of sort of pre-preparation if you will so like i i do all the lighting presets in advance i program them into like macros in pro presenter and like overlay those macros before the volunteers even get there because like the goal is twofold it's it's never that like oh a volunteer isn't autonomous enough to learn this it's more so like how can i make this simple and accessible enough that Mm -hmm. like any person could walk in and dip their toe in the water of church tech and feel like they are both pouring out and still being poured into yeah, this is a very churchy sentence there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but I stand by it. Yeah. I think like if you're excited about tech and you're excited about like finding community in the world of production, I think there should always be a spot for a person to do that even if they're brand new and they have no idea what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and this this church is very good at about that as well and like the the guy who's supervising me was like, has been very surprised by how much that I already know. Well, you are a professional AV technician. So he's like, Gary's easy. She knows everything. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. I remember like my first week, he was like, do you know how to wrap a cable? And as oh, so I was gosh. wrapping a cable and he was like, oh yeah, you do this for a living. Okay, you're good. Uh, iconic. <laughs> wrap these cables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, half of our, uh, like 90% of our job is fixing problems that mm-hmm. came out of nowhere, and the other 10% is wrapping cables. <laughs> oh, I'm actually, so I'm doing both this week at work because- Fixing problems and wrapping cables. <laughs> summer is
1: kind of project time within like sort of our church calendar within my department. In the spring, we're we're like prepping for Easter, right? Mm-hmm. And like all the spring events are happening. And then in the fall, we're kicking off our sort of like fall season of events and small groups but also all of fall is prepping for christmas. christmas yeah so like basically the only time that we're not like gung ho full blast headed towards a major holiday is summer so that's like like i have a huge whiteboard in my office right now that is just covered in lists of like big and small and medium repair projects or new installs or whatever that we want to like try to get done. Mm -hmm. But the one we're doing this week is one we've been trying to do since last summer. But due to all of the supply chain issues in the tech world, we were really, really delayed on getting pieces in. But essentially, we got a Giga Ace card in the mail finally this week after waiting on it for like eight months. And for those of you that don't know, a Giga Ace card is essentially a piece of technology that we can stick into our soundboard. Um, and it it allows us to connect not one stage box but two stage boxes to that soundboard, so it essentially allows us to have more inputs and outputs coming in and out of our soundboard, which is exciting. It allows us to like take full advantage of you know the nice soundboard that we've invested in. Yeah. So, but what it means for us is like you know being being in church, and I'll, I'll say this diplomatically: like you often inherit systems that you like did not install or like some janky or tech fixes here and there and so we decided to kind of take this opportunity to go through all of the routing in that venue and essentially like rewire everything yeah that's a big project (laughs) yeah so we unplugged every single patch cable On Monday morning, and it was the scariest moment of my entire life. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like we unplugged all the IEMs, all the wireless receivers, all of the um, like the metal floor pockets on the stage that have all the physical inputs soldered. Like we unplugged all of those back at the patch bay and we went under the stage to check on cabling at each floor pocket. Like wow. Like we went like full out. And by we, I mean like myself and Elijah Anderson, who, if you have listened to the podcast, uh just guest starred a few episodes ago. So yes. um if you want to hear more about Elijah's skill set, you should go check that out. Yeah. So this whole this whole week has been us wrapping cables running cables, redoing cable management, but also like solving each problem that comes up because inherently in a big project like this, you go in aiming to solve one problem and you find nine more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, it, at my workplace, we're uh, going to pretty soon completely gut our one of our venues. Oh, which one? It's the, uh, sh- like the larger conference room uh, with the piano in it. Oh yeah. Next week, we're going to go in and just yank everything out, (laughs) out of the ceiling, out of the walls. And then thankfully, we have contractors coming in to install new equipment and a new system. Oh, yeah. On that in that line of uh, thinking, our projector in that room died just straight up. Like we we thought we thought it was the bulb at first and we swapped the bulbs and that didn't work. Because uh, there was a second bulb, yeah. There, there was just like some communication back and forth with the manufacturers, and they were like, they, like they, they were like, "Have you tried swapping the bulbs? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this?" And then we, we like went through the list of all the things, and we were like, "It's dead." And they were like, "Yeah, uh, we've come to the conclusion that your projector is dead." So, <laughs> no. So yeah, we had to. This was like three-ish weeks before. It was like at the beginning of this month and yeah, so we had to speedily order a new projector and basically rush it over here so it could get here in time for the new AV install uh, so that it could be incorporated into the new system. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will get here in time. Dude, projector work is the worst. But for now, we've got a mobile projector just sitting on a janky cart in the middle of the room. (laughs)
1: oh that's brutal literally in the middle of the room honestly like some of the most frustrating moments in my full-time career in avl have been with projectors Mm -hmm. and i know like some people out there are going to be like oh but like projectors are so straightforward and easy i completely understand that projectors are straightforward and easy the issue is not the projector. Here, here are the problems I have. I'm going to list them in order. Ready? Buckle up. Sorry, everyone. But I this will be entertaining in some way, I'm sure. Listen, first of all...
0: Yeah, we've been talking tech stuff for so long at this building.
1: Yeah. In the building that I have worked with projectors in the most you have to get a scissor lift to reach any of the projectors, which is fine because I love driving the scissor lift. Like I'm the queen of the scissor lift. (laughs) However, the unfortunate part is like, usually with ours, the issues we've had, like we have to fully take them off of the mount. So like you're unscrewing this thing in eight different places and it's covered in dust. And like usually there's a spider that like just wants to eat you for lunch.
0: Mm-hmm. Or a butterfly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so true. The butterflies, the moth. moths, yeah. they're coming for you with their fangs. Yeah. If
0: you're new here, Rachel hates butterflies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a real invalid phobia. Oh.
0: You are valid.
1: Anyways, but yeah, these freaking projectors, like and also like, I know this is a podcast, like you can't really see me. I am not a very big human being. And so for me to be like up high in the air, the the height is fine. The issue is I'm wrestling a projector that is usually about half the size of me. And it is usually so heavy that I need a second or third person to sort of catch it from me when I undo the last screw. Yeah,
0: that's, that's something that I've struggled with as well because I too am a small, frail person. And I have a hard time like carrying these large pieces of equipment you know most av technicians i I made this observation before it seems like most of them are these large guys Mm -hmm. because they're literally built for the work yeah yeah one time i was i was walking behind two audio technicians Uh, i think this was at church and we were walking towards people kind of in a line and I was behind them, and it's just these two big guys, and then tiny little me, like, hey, we're all going to the same place. But I can sure plug things in.
1: Yeah. And wrap cables. Well, and that's where I've had to really own it because, like,
0: and endure a long live stream with period cramps.
1: Oh, yeah. I sort of have to own it at this point because, like, not only am I a small person, I am also a person with a couple of bone diseases. And so, like, a lot of AV work is like picking up and setting down super heavy stuff, you know, flight cases, projectors, big old light fixtures, and like hard on the bones. For a while, I like really pushed myself to keep up with that because, in an effort to like prove myself of like, oh, like exactly, I still yeah. deserve to be here, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I like what this is like randomly a personal story time, but like I recently got diagnosed with arthritis. Oh, and like i didn't know that i am 23 yeah no it it literally was like within the last two weeks um and so that was kind of the moment where i was like you know what like i can still do my job and be good at my job and like be learning and be contributing and not like actively destroying like what little physical health i'm hanging on to you know what i mean yeah. So that's where I started owning. I was like, "You know what? Like I'm small. I'm I'm pretty good at like rigging. Um I'm pretty good at crawling into small places to plug things in. I'm good at cable management. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff I can do without wrestling a projector." So The projector
0: will win. The
1: projector will <laughs> win. And the projector will mostly win when I try to put the projector back up after like working on it on the floor for three hours and I finally get it put back together and we go back up there and it takes an hour to get it re-leveled. Yeah. I hate projectors. (laughs) You can quote me on that. I will get it tattooed. I hate projectors. I hate them less than I hate mods, but only because projectors, unlike mods, do not have fangs. Hmm. Thank you for coming to my TED talk about arthritis,
0: mods, and projectors. (laughs) Oh, I watched uh, *Quantumania* recently. Yeah, I understand your sentiments about it. A lot of people's, a lot of people's thoughts about it. And the, okay, this is no fault to the people who made the movie. Okay, like the actors did what they could with what they had. Now, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, what what is his name? The guy who plays Hank looked dead kind of miserable <laughs> yeah not a thought <laughs> looked like they were eyes. trapped in hell together yeah the visual effects were it looked like it was a rush job and it probably was because disney wants that money and the visual effects artists probably didn't have enough time to make things as good as they could have been and the girl who plays Cassie, this was probably a really cool experience for her, getting to be in a Marvel movie. Right. And, you know, getting to be a an aunt girl. <laughs> so it, this is, again, no fault to the people who were in this movie, but it it, it just didn't work. A, a lot of the plot points seemed rather forced. The writing was clunky. Again, it, it has Rush Job vibes.
1: Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you were following... The drama, we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, kind of because I was waiting for it to develop and then uh, I just sort of never got back to it. But like, were you following any of the headlines about Victoria Alonso getting fired? No.
0: Who's Victoria Alonso?
1: So Victoria Alonso when she got fired she was like the executive in charge of all like vfx and post production at marvel okay so like she she's been around marvel productions for a long time like in a lot of ways like she has been integral to marvel getting to the point it has with the MCU. I see. And obviously, I don't know every detail of her getting fired. And there honestly are about five different theories going around. And, you know, she says one thing and Disney says another. And the fans have three other theories. But what's important is, like, right at the point where Victoria Alonso got fired and then, like, there was some legal action and she ended up, like, settling with Disney. And it was this whole thing right when that happened was also when kind of these rushed sort of b-level marvel movies started coming out and that was also when marvel's like entire docket for 2023 and 2024 was either significantly delayed or just cut
0: yeah there are a lot of things that i heard about that are not even being promoted anymore yeah
1: No. Well, and that was my thing. And like, I'm going to sound like a bad Marvel fan for this, but I also stand by Marvel is is undergoing significant budget changes, docket changes, structural, you know, rearranging. And it shows because guess what? A Spider-Man movie just randomly came out Mm -hmm. and I had no idea that it was coming out until someone the other day was like, yeah, so have you seen the new Spider-Man? And I was like, the what?
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I also haven't seen Guardians 3 yet. So I
1: I've, haven't either. I've heard Guardians 3 is good. Guardians 3, like I knew was coming, but was also surprised by its release because- they're, like, they weren't marketed as heavily as these movies normally are.
0: Yeah. Like, for Quantumania, they had, like, commercials and things like that. Maybe because they knew it was bad and they needed to get more people to see it. <laughs> so they had a bit of a yeah. a heavier marketing campaign. But, yeah, the I, I am excited about the uh, Across the Spider-Verse movie because I liked the first one. I did,
1: too. So I yeah. haven't
0: heard any opinions about it. So we'll find out.
1: I... Hung out with some friends the other night who had just come from seeing it. They were all very moved by it. Okay. Um, Like, most of them, like, were pretty invested in the first one and, like, are, are read up on the MCU and all that. They all really, really enjoyed it. Okay. So, I feel like that's encouraging, especially in the wake of, like, a couple of kind of flop Marvel movies. Yeah. And, like, not a lot to look forward to in the future because... They've canceled and delayed so much stuff that was... Because 2023 was supposed to be Marvel's year. They had tons of series slated to release. They had tons of movies slated to release. What Like, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know... Victoria Alonso got fired right around that time. But obviously, there was also some much bigger stuff going on behind the scenes. What with all of these projects getting pushed back and their budget changing dramatically. I don't know. I'll be very interested to see where Marvel is in six months. Yeah. Because I think people are noticing
0: them lose steam. I think we're watching its downfall. But here's the thing. They've made a lot of great movies, and we can still continue to enjoy those movies. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can't relive the experience of watching those amazing movies and how they all came together and the big collaboration movies – What are those called? Crossover movies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, like maybe we won't get to feel the way we felt when we first watched those again, but those movies are still out there. You can still watch them.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like we've talked a lot in the last few months on this podcast about kind of our MCU fatigue. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are feeling the fatigue of trying to keep up with all the movies and the series. I don't think the multiverse has been as popular as Marvel thought it would be. Right. But at the same time, I don't think that negates the things about the MCU that we all love.
0: No, of course not.
1: The the movies that like I loved, you know, 4 years ago, 3 years ago, 2 years ago, I still love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Marvel putting out a flop movie here or there now doesn't change my enjoyment of past movies.
0: Yeah, and th- there are some past flops as well. Do you remember Age of Ultron? Oh, vividly. That was... Which I
1: still argue was not as bad as everyone thought it was.
0: No, it it wasn't. It's was just... I don't know, coming right off of um, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. It was... It, it was like... It, it was a hard bluff turn. Like, there was no... Because Winter Soldier, some pretty major plot developments happened. And then they were all just kind of brushed aside for Age of Ultron.
1: The Winter Soldier is a hard act to follow.
0: <laughs> it, right, yeah. Okay, I never liked Black Widow and Hulk together. Natasha and Bruce, I Oh, never I liked didn't it.
1: either. I thought-
0: It came out of nowhere.
1: I thought they had some funny one-liners But I thought it was a terrible pairing. There was no lead up to it. There was nothing. Because here's the thing. In the original Avengers movie... She was scared of him. All (laughs) of the signs point to Natasha and Hawkeye getting together.
0: Exactly. That's what I wanted. And then they were like, Hawkeye has a family here. They build
1: up that chemistry so hard. And then all of a sudden they're like, he has a secret family. Yeah, I was so offended. I was too. (laughs) I was like... I wanted her and hawkeye to be together so badly so 12-year-old Rachel's heart was destroyed yeah when the MCU betrayed her original ship
0: her otp what what kinds of people actually do ship natasha and and bruce cuz i imagine it's like nerdy guys who self-insert as bruce oh. <laughs> because that <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah, like I, I, I listened to a podcast where they compared Joss Whedon to, uh, to, to Bruce Banner, <laughs> as if he was the self-insert character. Wow, Kiri is Kiri is reading everyone for filth right now. I think I. I well, the thing is, it's probably true. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, because Natasha can do better. Well, and that was like her only thing in that movie was like oh. Bruce, and I'm glad they didn't build upon it at all. Yeah. They only like kind of briefly mentioned it and then move on. <laughs>
1: That's it. I really feel like MCU just did Black Widow so dirty as a character. They did. Because she came in so strong, so awesome. And then they just turned her into a different
0: mild love interest in every movie they put her. In she a... was great in Winter Soldier. Yeah, and that's another thing that was just so jarring about Age of Ultron is that she was suddenly nothing. Well, and the tough part too is like even in like the Captain
1: America sequels, they like create almost this weird chemistry between her and Cap.
0: Right. That's what I was. That. That like, was. Think a little... about the
1: scene where they kiss on the escalator. Yeah. There was no point in that other than to be like, oh, look at these two really attractive people kissing. Wow, you know, yeah, I mean? they were
0: like, well, we've got a female lead and a male lead, might as well make them kiss because this is a movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas I feel like they could have done so much with like, even like, leave, leave love out of it. Like, never make her a love interest. Never make her have a love interest. Like, just make her a hero with a tragic backstory yeah. and like a passion to change the future for other people. That would be enough. Scarlett
0: Johansson is an incredible actress. She is. She is. And yeah, the the Black Widow just, the Black Widow character, the way she is written, just doesn't really show how good of an actor she is. And then the movie was just
1: a disgrace. Like the fact that she waited that long to get a solo movie
0: and then it was the movie that it was. It wasn't bad, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't what anyone expected for sure. I think I
1: hated it more than the average person did because I really, really love Black Widow. Like I was not obsessed with the family plot line. I didn't like it. I thought the stuff with her sister was really sweet, and that was about it. Like, I could have done
0: without the parents being involved. Yeah, that's another thing that was just thrown in out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, she has a family. Kind of like, oh, yeah, Hawkeye has a family. Yeah, it just, it made me mad
1: because they tried to turn it into a family movie with all of these characters that you care not a lot about. Yeah. Who are not sympathetic. It's not, like, a beautiful story at the end. It's not. Maybe the whole point. Is like that she she's been the tragic hero the whole time, and then she finally gets her own movie, and she's still tragic and sad. But like, it just kind of bums me out. Even if they hadn't given her a happy ending, I still wanted a better and more interesting plot arc in her movie than that one.
0: Yeah, I think a a lone wolf type of approach to her because that's what she has always been, and like you know building upon that, and like having her. S- spend that time after civil war, you know, finding herself again, you know, reconnecting with Steve and Sam and who she's with uh, at the beginning of infinity war, you know, how they came together, how she decided, yes, you are my people. You are my family. Like that would have been much more interesting. Yeah. And, and we didn't even get to that point in the movie It was just like, oh, I'm off to go break my friends out of jail. And that's it. Yeah. It's not like, how does she come to the conclusion that she wants to stay with them? Mm -hmm. Because she is fully down for being alone at the beginning of the movie. So it's, yeah. Another thing about Age of Ultron that drove me nuts. (laughs) You remember the conversation uh, she and Bruce had at, at Hawkeye's house where she was like, I'm a monster too because I'm sterile. Oh that ticked me off that I was like fifteen or sixteen, and I was like, What <laughs> that is not that should, that that's the only thing that they could relate to each other like that they had in common like that was the only thing. she was like yeah we're not all that different it's not not because I've killed people it's not because I'm a child soldier it's because I don't have a uterus that was the thing I'm like you guys
1: really like of all the parts of Natasha's tragic backstory Mm -hmm. that we choose to elevate to the silver screen it's like the fact that she can't have children exactly that weird vibe weird weird vibe I'm sorry I don't even care if it's canonically accurate, it is weird as heck. Who who wrote this
0: movie? Age of Ultra. Let's see. Script uh, Joss Whedon. Shocker. He wrote the whole thing himself, and directed it. Okay. Well. Anyway, let's see. What is it? We, we haven't really talked about other media in a while. Let's see. Oh, did you watch um, American Born Chinese yet? No, I haven't. I liked it. It's it's cute. Yeah. It's like a, it's a little little cheesy. Kind of like teen drama type, but not like aggressively teen drama. You know, yeah. Like there's a good balance of of wholesome and funny. I will say Michelle Yeoh is underused, devastating, but but still amazing. I'm sure. Oh, of course. And uh, they did a good job of setting up a potential second season. So hopefully, incredible, we will get to see more of of her. And the rest of the cast, of course. Yeah, it was cute. I liked it. Good. And it digs into Chinese mythology, which is not put to mainstream screens very much at all.
1: Yeah. Speaking of other, like, big stuff that's coming out, how are you feeling about the Barbie movie?
0: I have avoided trailers and things like that because I think I want to go into it with... A completely open mind. A clean mind. It looks like it's going to be... From what limited information I have, looks like it's going to be at the very least a wild ride. I hope it's not a flop. Yeah. But it's got freaking Margot Robbie. I mean, she's, again, an incredible actress who was underused in a superhero movie or underappreciated in a superhero movie for sure.
1: Yeah. I have been like very closely following media because I initially like rolled my eyes really hard when like I found out they were shooting a live action Barbie movie like I was like yeah okay like whatever and then like I found out about the cast list and I was like huh Margot Robbie Ryan Gosling yeah but then I'm like okay it's probably just like paying off all of these A-listers to like be in this movie Mm -hmm. but then like Greta Gerwig is directing it and I was like okay like maybe this is gonna be like Kind of camp, like some some high fashion art or something. Camp is
0: definitely the vibe, yeah. But
1: and then, <laughs> like, you haven't seen the trailer, have you? I haven't. Okay, so I will not spoil it. What I will say is the trailer converted. I am me. tempted to watch it though. Like, I went from being completely uninterested in the Barbie movie to like having active plans to go see it when it comes out. Sweet. Like, okay. The trailer literally changed my life. So I don't know. I also really hope it doesn't flop because I'm really excited for it because it looks like a lot of fun. July 21st. Okay. July 21st. So about a month from now. Sweet. Okay.
0: Simu Lou is in it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I haven't watched any of the trailers. I I think I I haven't been to a theater in a while because it's difficult to like gather people to go, but I think that is one that I will try to go see in theaters. Yeah. so I think that will be fun.
1: Yeah, one of the theaters near me does $5 Tuesday every week. Oh. And I haven't utilized it in a while, but I do utilize it every time I want to see, like, a new movie. Because the thing I like about their $5 Tuesday thing is, like, some theaters will do it, but, like, only on, like, less popular movies or less new movies. This theater, like, you can see any movie for $5 on that Tuesday. Wow which slaps because otherwise I would not see very many movies because it's just like outrageously expensive to do that these days.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to make art and cinema accessible to more people. Yeah, for real. Well, in conclusion, um, we still have thoughts about Marvel. We always have thoughts about Marvel. And we still are frustrated with audio. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the podcast. Two things that will always be true of us here at Post Production. Anyway, if you want to hear more from us, uh, be sure to hit follow wherever you are listening so that you can keep up with the latest episodes. And follow us on Instagram at Rachel HNH and at Kiri, K-Y-R-I underscore Jones. And you can also follow us on TikTok at Post Production Pod. We do have a website, postprodpod.com, which will look nicer fairly soon, hopefully.
1: Indeed. So give us a follow. Mm -hmm. We release a new episode roughly every two weeks.
0: Give or take. And
1: (laughs) if you're, uh, you know, running out of new post-prod content, our entire back catalog is also online, so you can go give us a listen.
0: We have three-ish years of content out, and we're always making more. Oh, yeah. Lots of entertaining content and and cringe at the old ones with us. Oh, yeah. Well, actually it might be cute to you, but it's cringy to us. True that. <laughs> anyway. Such is the life. With that, with that, this has been the <laughs> Post, Post production production podcast. podcast. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Our neighbors must think we're insane. For real. <laughs>